This is episode number 64 with Romy Neustadt. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. Today on the show, I have on Romy Neustadt, who's the author of the book, You Can Have It All, Just Not at the Same Damn Time. Now, the title does say it all. I think we, as women, have so many things pulling at us each and every day, and we struggle with how to get it all done, how to feel fulfilled with our relationships and our work. If you're a parent, as a parent, feeling like you're giving back to the community, feeling like you're a part of the broader world, how do you feel connected and fulfilled and happy and successful and all of that, right? So a few months ago, I was presenting at a women's conference and Romy was also presenting that day. And it was based around this new book. And I just loved her energy and the messages that she was sharing that day. So she is here to talk to us about what she has discovered, what she's figured out about how to juggle being a wife, a mom, a professional success, a healthy human without losing your mind. So if you've wondered if you can have it all, you are in the right place. This is a great conversation, lots of actionable tips that you can implement today. So I look forward to introducing you to Romy. Here we go. Hi, Romy. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, it's so great to be with you. Um, so I just have to just tell you how much I loved your book. You can have it all, just not at the same damn time. <laughs> and so <laughs> hallelujah to that title and to just the whole concept. I love this so much. And as somebody who's read a lot of self-help books, what I have to just tell you that I so appreciated about it is that after putting it down, I walked away with such tangible and actionable things that I remembered from it, because I think with a lot of self-help books, you put it down and you're like, wait, what am I supposed to do next? Or what was the intention of that? And yours was so clear. And also it was like sitting with a really good friend who deeply cared about you. And there was just such an intimacy to the writing. So I just want to let you know that um, it's so well done and I loved every page of it. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm doing cartwheels over here because what I felt just compelled to provide is a no BS roadmap based on what I've lived through and what I wanted to give all women. And, and I, I write like I talk. Mm. So I, I, I'm really thrilled that I get to have this conversation with all the readers. Yay. Thank you. Well, let us start with your story. Just for people who don't know who you are, just give us a little backstory about who Romy is and what you do. Well, I'm I'm a former corporate chick who used to be a lawyer, which I hated. I don't want to <laughs> offend any lawyers who are listening, but it wasn't a good fit for me. I was a litigator, mm. and I'm not meant to to fight for a living. Mm. And then I became a PR executive for a number of years. And then when my husband John and I 
had two little ones. Nate was three, BB was six months old. I had the chance to start my own business and I jumped at it and I started growing my business along with my PR career and turned it into a full-time gig. And that's, that is grown into something that has allowed me to work from home around the kids. Mm. And along with that success um, and growing kids Mm -hmm. and an aging mother and all the other things that we deal with in life, right? Yeah. Made for a very full life and also created a lot of the challenges Mm. that led me to have to create this roadmap that you just read about Mm -hmm. in my book. Mm -hmm. So good. And, you know, I think... My listeners, we we want to have it all. I think all women want to have it all. But you say that women are overwhelmed because they confuse having it all with doing it all. Can you give us what the difference is? It is the reason why so many women aren't able to be living the lives they want. Mm. You know, we we women as a species are suffering from unrealistic expectations. Yeah, who we're supposed to be how much we're supposed to accomplish, how we're supposed to look while we're doing it all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to be all things, all people, these ever-growing to-do lists uh, that, that we keep adding to that that we think we should be doing. And we're stressed, we're exhausted, yeah. Yeah. we often feel like a failure, yeah. and it keeps us from getting to the stuff that we really want to do. But I don't want to be a total downer here. As you know, <laughs> uh, I, I figured out a fix. And it really comes down to this. If we want to have it all, we have got to stop doing it all. Mm. Well, you write back in 2013, you did have it all but you were taking stock of your life and you were surprised, but you weren't really happy. And so what happened? You took off to Vegas. Take us into that story. Like you did a a long weekend away and it brought so much clarity. Can you explain what happened over that weekend? Absolutely. I had reached a point. It it was really a breaking point. I I think, I think you can call it a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, my career was exploding. The kids, the uh, things that I needed to do for my mom, trying to be everything from for everybody. Yeah. And my responsibilities that come with a growing family and a growing career were multiplying like mad. And I didn't feel like I was running my life. Mm. It was it was running me. Yeah. And so I knew something had to change. So I went to John and I said, "Honey." I think I need to run away from home for a little bit. And, <laughs> I think a lot of women and, are going to relate to that. <laughs> and and, and it, he, he started to giggle just like we had. <laughs> he said, okay, talk to me. Talk to me. What are, you, what are you talking about? And I said, I just need to go away for a couple days. Mm. And I, I need quiet. And I need just to focus on me so I can figure out a solution. And, and really, this was no surprise to my husband because he had been watching from the outside what had been going on. And even even though he had tried to offer advice and help, mm-hmm. right, as, yeah. as partners often can, mm-hmm. until we get to that point ourselves, we're not going to hear a damn thing. Mm. 
So true. Right. So, so off I went, I, I went to Vegas because it was a quick flight and it was easy. And I actually <laughs> checked into a hotel, a quiet one that is a non-strip type hotel. Running <laughs> um, there gambling and, you know, going to shows. I, I, I was in a hotel room with books and my laptop mm. and, a, and a journal. And I started searching. It's amazing what can happen when we give ourselves the gift of time and space. Now, I'm not, I, I don't want to suggest that anyone who feels like this, who's going through this, needs to go off to a hotel room, fly somewhere, right? Right. right. But just the act of carving out sacred time that mm-hmm. says, this is for me. Yeah. I'm going to make this time non-negotiable. Yeah. And and check in with myself what's going on and, and what I want. Now, I didn't know what I was going to find. I didn't know what would come out of it. But I knew that time had to happen. Uh, and that's when I started stumbling on things mm. that made a lot of sense for me and ended up becoming a roadmap for how I was going to fix <laughs> what was <laughs> ailing my life and end up helping me teach other women how to do it. So good. Well, there's so many key chapters in the book. You start the book really talking about the importance of focus um, and then also kind of relating that to the priorities and setting goals. So how do we get focus in our lives? How do we get that clarity? One of the biggest problems is that, that we don't take the time to figure out what our priorities are. And in fact, most of us don't even know what priorities really means and we've been confusing them. You know, when when I found myself in that hotel room, Michelle, uh, seven years ago, mm. I was 42 okay. and not once in my entire life had I ever taken the time to figure out what my priorities were mm. at any given point in my life. And in fact, all those years of goal setting. I'm a very goal oriented person. I get the sense you are too. Mm. Uh, I was, I was setting these goals and I was, you know, mostly slaying them. And I thought that was setting my priorities, Mm. but they're two very different things. And it was in that hotel room that I finally learned what these two terms are how they're different and how they need to relate to one another. Hmm. Yeah, take us into the difference. So your your priority, you know, and, and you can have two to three going at any one time, not mm-hmm. more than that. Mm-hmm. Your priorities are the things in your life right now, present tense, that are so important to you that not serving them is simply non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So sitting in that, hotel room, it was very clear to me that my priorities were, I make healthy choices every day. Mm. Because I knew if I wasn't taking care of my, my physical and emotional and mental health, everything else was going to go to pot, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Another priority, non-negotiable, was that I am an active participant in my husband and children's lives. Mm. And Right then, because my life was running me, I I didn't feel like I was accomplishing that. But it was simply non-negotiable. That had to happen. And then the third priority 
for me was around my professional life. Mm. And, and the non-negotiable is I help women grow life-changing businesses. Yeah. And, and that's what I do. And that's what I search. So, so that's, that's what priorities are Mm. now. Now goals are very different. Goals are something in the future that we want to achieve. And it's important to us, uh, important enough to us Mm -hmm. to devote time and effort and energy to it. But here's the important part about the relationship between the two. If the goals you're setting are not serving one or more of your priorities, Mm -hmm. even, even if you achieve them, you're going to feel unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. scattered, Mm -hmm. inauthentic, and it's going to add to stress. And that's the doing it all versus having it all, right? This is where the disconnect is, right there. Right there. Yeah. Absolutely right there. And this can be just a, a totally new way of thinking for folks. It was for me. Mm-hmm. But once you get the hang of it and once you put it into practice again and again and again, yep. it just becomes such an extraordinary way to know where to focus your time and your effort and your emotion mm-hmm. and where not to. It's so good. It's so good. Now you tie this in to the word for the year. Now, as you write in the book, it became very popular and everyone posts. And you know what made me laugh out loud when I was reading it? I did post a word, but I can tell you, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and I think and I think the way that you use it in conjunction with the priorities and goals is what solidifies it so you really can use it as an anchor. So can you talk about how you approach the word of the year? Yeah, so... So the very first concept that I happened upon in the hotel room that year was this thing called the one word. Mm-hmm. And and true, it's like you said, way back then, no one had seen the washer bracelets or the Today Show wasn't talking about it. Right. It was this new concept. But I fell in love with this idea of being able to declare what my year was going to stand for. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I was in that hotel room in, in December. Okay. So, so what the coming year could stand for. And, and I declared that, okay, this is the year I'm going to achieve balance. Cause that's what I desperately wanted. Mm-hmm. But I was savvy enough to understand that simply declaring a word <laughs> By itself, yep. right? Yep. No matter how emphatically I did it, <laughs> no matter how good the hashtag was on social media, yep. it wasn't going to be enough mm-hmm. to actually make the transformations that I needed to do in my life. Mm-hmm. So so that's why I dug deeper and I kept searching. And that's when I had the epiphanies about priorities and goals. Mm. And so what I've done for the last several years is not only take myself through this process, but thousands of women I work with, Mm. it's, I call it this whole one word process where you declare your word, what you want it to stand for. And then you establish your priorities. Mm. So it's like the big picture. I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's like the 30,000 foot like 
right there. And then everything, then the priorities, then the goals. And then the goals. And and here's what can be very interesting. Yeah. Um, Two things. I've seen time and time again, and I even uh, talk about this in the book. If you don't follow through and do the rest of the process, Mm -hmm. establishing your priorities and setting your goals that serve those priorities, just declaring that word isn't going to mean a damn thing. Absolutely. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be over it. The other really fascinating thing is I've heard from a lot of women who go through this entire process and they get done with their priorities and goals and look back and say, wait a minute that's not even the right word. Mm. That's the word I thought I should want mm-hmm. or should declare, mm-hmm. but, but that's not my truth. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important to be in residence and you do talk about authenticity and I imagine that's all very, very aligned. But um, part of this too then, so once you have that system and the priorities and goals in place with the word and it's all there ready, like as a roadmap for you, you talk about editing your life. Can you take us to what this means? Well, and I actually ask people and and do myself all the time, I I relentlessly edit my life. Mm -hmm. And, And that means taking everything out that that isn't serving your priorities and goals. Okay. So, so I, I love going through this practice. I certainly recommend everyone do it at least once a year. I do it quarterly, uh, or any, or any time my, my life starts to feel out of whack. So is everything on the calendar, Romy? Like, so, you know, are you plugging it all in for the week and the months and just to give people a really clear picture of the system? So, so yes, I'm, I'm calendaring and plugging everything in, but, but this concept, uh, this practice of, of relentlessly editing, editing your life even precedes that. Okay. Um, so, so the first step is for a week, mm-hmm. write down every single thing you are doing in your life. And I mean everything mm-hmm. and how long you spend doing it. And then you look at your list and you label it. Now, now, just as an aside, it's really important to be honest with mm-hmm. yourself about what you're doing and how long you're doing it. It's like an eating log, right? <laughs> if you're not writing down everything you're putting in your pie hole, yeah. it's not going to do you <laughs> any good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you've got your list of everything you're doing and then you want to categorize it. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is where the magic comes in. Okay. All right. You want to mark P for everything that serves one or more of your priorities Mm -hmm. for everything that's helping you get closer to achieving one or more of your goals that gets a G. Okay. Every, everything you must do gets an M and by must, I mean, personal hygiene, Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom. Remember I said, you've got to write down everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are the musts. Okay, now these two categories are super important. You have to mark H for everything you hate doing, mm-hmm. which for a lot of women, that's a pretty substantial mm-hmm. list. Yeah, what you wrote about in the book was the list, the laundry, the cleaning, <laughs> the errands. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
and everybody's list can look different, but those tend to be a common theme among, among us all. And then for everything you think you should do, mm-hmm. you want to mark S. Now, it's in those things that we mark H and S. That's where we get to find what we should be delegating or deleting. I call them the double Bs. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to free up our time and energy. Oh, I just got that. That's funny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> double Ds. <laughs> so the things that are weighing you down, like, you know, my double Ds used to. So, um, <laughs> okay, so that, that's where you're going to free up your time and energy to focus on the things that are serving your priorities and goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I read that in the book, I was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, the thought of actually sitting and doing it, I'm like, is actually going to be so beneficial with the way that the system is laid out that absolutely, I have so much curiosity now around what that list would look like. And also, you know that you're doing so much, but you actually don't on often celebrate what you're accomplishing or feel good about it because you're just doing without really realizing really how much you've gotten done. So it'll be really interesting to do this, I think, for every all the women when they do this exercise. But I have to tell you my favorite part was when we talk, you know, let's see, I'm going to see right here. I have the book in front of me. It's chapter uh, three. Know what your time is worth. Know what your time is worth. This was like, this was a fun exercise and also one that I think is so valuable because I've been having that number in my head all day today and it really makes <laughs> such a shift in how I'm really thinking about my time. Can you explain this? It's so genius. I know, we all know, we hear it everywhere, that our most valuable resource is time. Right. But because none of us really understand what our time is worth, we're not making smart choices with where we spend it. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I was squandering little and big chunks of time that were costing me dearly, mm-hmm. not just monetarily, but yeah, emotionally, sure. physically, you name it. Mm-hmm. So I come from two professions that are ruled by the billable hour, mm-hmm. law and PR. Mm-hmm. I was very used to, you know, knowing my billable, billable hour rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought, well, what if I could figure out what my hourly rate was? And so I came up with an equation that that can help you have mathematical proof what you should be delegating and what you should be deleting. And, and so this calculation requires you to figure out two numbers. First, how much does your dream life cost you? Mm-hmm. Now, this can be incredibly difficult for a lot of women to think about because it can be hard to allow yourself to dream about what your life could be, to remove any preconceived notions of limitations, mm-hmm. but, but really ask yourself, okay, in five years, what do you want it to look like? And in the book, I... I prompt you with all of these different questions to ask, to be able to get a handle on Mm -hmm. what your life would cost per year to live that way. Absolutely. Okay. So it's very aspirational. Then the other number is to figure out how many hours a week do you want to be working? Not what you're doing now, 
But ultimately, how many hours a week do you want to work? Yeah. And and then I, I, I walk you through an equation that given those numbers comes up with what your time is worth an hour. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this happened to you, but typically most women will lowball themselves their first try at this. Yeah. And when I'm doing when I'm doing workshops or, or doing coaching, I'll have to push back and say, okay, no, 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 really. Is that your most aspirational? And then they'll go back and say, no, I had doubts. I had this. No, no, no. What do you really want? Mm-hmm. Now, when I first did this exercise, my time was worth $962 per hour. Mm-hmm. And that was a real holy, you know what, yep. right? Yep. Um, it, it blew my mind yep. and it, it blew my billable rate as a lawyer or PR consultant out of the water. Mm-hmm. And it had a significant impact on how I was then spending my time and how I was making decisions on what it made sense for me to hire somebody else to do. Mm. So, so that, once you're you're armed with that, you can have those types of conversations with yourself, with your spouse or partner mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, so so for example, I think, you know, if you're thinking I should be cleaning the house mm-hmm. because I'm not successful enough in my career yet to warrant or to deserve, mm-hmm. which is another big word I hear a lot, mm-hmm. to deserve a house cleaner. But yet if your hourly rate is $225 an hour, but you can spend a house, you can pay a house cleaner 25, 30 bucks an hour to clean your house, freeing mm-hmm. up that time to do the things you want to do to move your career ahead, mm-hmm. then it's a no brainer calculation right Abs- there. Absolutely. I actually didn't lowball my number. I have to say, I, I actually had, I didn't. I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm, uh, I'm about manifesting and visioning and all of that. So I really had a lot of fun with it. But I will say, and I think what you just talked about is really important. People are going to say, okay, so for you, you were running in, or are running an eight-figure business. For women listening who are either a stay-at-home mom and maybe are going to re-enter the workforce or are early-stage entrepreneurs, and you know they're just. They're making ends meet, but barely or something, even though that they know what the potential is and are aspiring to a number that with the hard work, they will get there. How do you how do you figure out, you know, that balance of, OK, yeah, I'll get the housekeeper, but I I'm, I won't do this, even though I know it would benefit me or like, when do I get the VA versus the. So if you're kind of if finances are tough. What advice do you give around this formula? Because I do think it's so powerful. And I and it did make me think, you know, what else maybe should I be outsourcing? Absolutely. It's 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 so important for all of us, regardless of what our current income is, to take a critical look at what we're doing mm-hmm. and what we can delegate and delete. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, a woman that I was coaching and mentoring, had just gotten out of, of a marriage. She, single mom, mm. working a day job, trying to build a side business, yep. um, 
her her financial situation was very stark. Okay. And she was trying to find more time in the day. Mm-hmm. So in doing her calculation of what her time was worth, she was able to identify that if she purchased pre-washed, cut up vegetables, mm. spent a couple more dollars there because it was far less than the time that it took for her to do that. Mm-hmm. She could spend that time actually trying to work her side business mm. instead of washing and cutting vegetables to get her son's dinner on the mm-hmm. table at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be huge things. That's, I, that's I, helpful. Yeah. The right? little incremental changes and decisions you make around delegating or cutting stuff out or, or, or adding help. I love that. Yeah. They matter. They matter. And over time, as you create more and more resources for yourself, if that is part of the, all you're looking for, Mm -hmm. then you already have this, this muscle that you're used to flexing that analyzes what you're doing and whether or not you should be the one doing it Mm -hmm. or whether you should be delegating it, paying someone else to do it or deleting it completely off your plate. Absolutely. Um, So this is actually really, it kind of ties into what I'm thinking. You know, a lot of women have a hard time asking for help, but then you also talk about they also have a hard time saying no. Right. So I think setting boundaries and um, being able to ask for help is so important. But let's talk about this ability to say no gracefully, because it's it's a muscle we all need to exercise more and do it with grace. And I like the way that you you talk about it in the book. No can be one of the most important words that women learn to say. Mm -hmm. We need to get really good at it. We need to say it often in an authentic and gracious way, but we need to stop apologizing Mm -hmm. when we say it. This beautiful little word keeps you from committing to things that you really don't want to do that aren't serving your priorities and goals. Because let's face it, how many things are we saying yes to because we're afraid to disappoint other people Mm -hmm. or we're afraid to be judged? It's true. For sure. Yeah. So I will tell you, that throughout the the last decade, as I have built my business, you know, been there for the kids and my mom and John, yep. taking care of myself, all these things, I have said no more than I say yes. Mm. So I get all the time, Michelle, I get, well, that's great. I want to say more no, but uh, say no more. Right. But I don't know how the hell to say it. Like, what words do I use? Right. It's true. A script helps. You do have some good scripts in there. And I do like that you say, don't say sorry, unless you're really deeply sorry. If it's not something that warrants it, you don't have to be sorry for protecting your time. Absolutely not. We no longer should allow ourselves to apologize for the things that are important to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, and it's one way to get your time back. Now you've talked a lot about the shooting and you say that we should on ourselves all the time. So tell (laughs) tell us about shooting. Yes. And, and just to be clear, everybody shooting. (laughs) Yes, we are, we are shooting all over the place and I'm on a mission (laughs) to get women to stop doing it because it's keeping us 
from living the lives we want. It's mm-hmm. a waste. It's yeah. an absolute waste. So that's why going through everything on your list and the things that are marked S, you have to be, you know, critical and honest with yourself. Yeah. Everything that's on there. Are you doing that because you think you should? I, I talk in the book uh, about women that, that I work with and, and friends I have, you know, women, my, my colleague and friend was spending all of this time on holidays, Mm. traipsing from one family home to another, going to every single school program for every Mm. cousin and niece and nephew, because she thought that's what she should be doing. It's what, you know, should be expected in this warm, big Italian family. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what she wanted. Yeah. And how often are we doing that throughout our entire lives? I'm asking you to stop and examine how much of that is going on in your life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another way to get time back and also to feel like you're living your authentic self. I mean, it's all, everything you're talking about is all aligned and intertwined for having it all. So it's so good. But now take us into 2018. You ended up having a little bit of a health crisis that reprioritized your life again. Can you tell us about that? I'm so glad you asked about this because I want everyone to understand just because I had this huge epiphany seven years ago and I figured out this process Mm. and I started making changes and I adopted habits and all of these things that I write about. I want it really clear that I'm human, Mm -hmm. I'm a work in progress, and I backslid, and I made mistakes, and I became uh, unfocused Mm -hmm. from some of the things that were super important to me, because that's what we humans do. And back in 2018, I allowed myself to fall back into some of the traps of allowing uh, too many of the shoulds to get in. Mm. I I wasn't as hyper-focused on my priorities and goals. I wasn't making time for quiet, Mm. which is one of the things that, as you know, I talk Mm. about being essential so that we can hear what I like to call our heart voice, which Mm -hmm. is that voice inside of us that's telling us what we really want when things aren't right. And I was just running out of the gates at the beginning of 2018 in super doing mode. And I was ignoring all the signs mm. that something was going on with my health. Mm. And I wasn't getting quiet. And it, it's, it's interesting when you're, when you're not listening to your heart voice, mm-hmm. it will continue to get louder and louder so true. until it's screaming at you. Mm-hmm. And that screaming ended up being in the form of debilitating fatigue, Mm. brain fog, aches, fever, you name the whole long list of things. And I no longer could deny that something was going on. And I went to John, who happens to be a naturopathic doctor. That's helpful. Which is amazing. It is. Amazing. But, But even when you live with a doctor who is intimately involved in your life and an incredible partner, you can be so focused on just pushing yourself and not Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself that you can even hide the symptoms from them. Mm -hmm. 
That's true. I was hiding him from me and he wasn't even seeing him either. Wow. And I went to him and said, okay, something's wrong here. You know, I, here's what, here's what I'm experiencing. He, he really knew what was going on, but he said, let's confirm it with tests. And um, it turns out I had a really bad flare of the Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. For, for the, the folks listening who don't know what that is, EBV is a virus that causes illnesses like mono. I had had mono in college, and once it's in your body, it's always there. Mm. And it stays it, dormant, but it can get triggered? It can get triggered, oh. and it can get triggered uh, by stress, by lack of sleep, by all these things. Mm. And these uh, wonderfully helpful habits that I had implemented, I had been cheating on, mm. not being militant with the amount of sleep, not um, eating the way that I knew I should be all the time. That's mm-hmm. a good should, not a, mm-hmm. not a, uh, uh, <laughs> that, that's a good kind of should. Um and and I was doing it because I was filling my time with too much of the other stuff that wasn't important. Mm. And so that that screaming heart voice led me to have to pull out of my life for uh, uh, over four weeks. Wow! Where I, it's amazing how you focus when you have no other choice. Mm-hmm. And I I focused on entirely on my health and getting back on my feet. Mm. And I have to tell you, I am so grateful that it happened mm. because it, it increased my commitment to this whole process mm-hmm. because it works. And it was after that, that I knew that I was ready to write this book. Mm. And, and I I knew that I had to get this out there. That's such a good story. I did realize, and so the book came after, I was wondering in the process. And so you do talk about in the book, you know, establishing good habits and relationship with technology. Let's touch on the technology piece because you write how you're addicted. I'm addicted. We're all addicted. And I don't even really use social or like it, but I, I was saying one day, like the phone is always in my hand. I don't even know how I got there. It's like, why is it in my hand? I don't want it in my hand. Um, so I've been very aware of it and really creating some systems. But talk to us about technology and ways to create some uh, healthy boundaries with it. So what's one strategy that you use in regard to the technology that's helped you? So one thing that has been so helpful for me and and I've, I've loved how this has rocked the worlds of all the women that I've, I've taught this to, is to set a timer for five or 10 minutes before you go on social media. Mm. And when the alarm goes off, you're off. Perfect. Because, because it's staggering how much time is wasted mindlessly scrolling. Mm. Uh, and, and this becomes even more profoundly impactful after you've done the exercise mm-hmm. of writing down everything you do in the course of a week, because you will be able to see how much time you're spending on social outside of what you may or may not need to do for work, which I have to do a lot for work on sure, social. Sure. Uh, but you can actually see. And, and what I encourage everyone to recognize is when you are using social media as your form of stress relief 
because you can be mindlessly scrolling and you think that it's calming when you could take that time instead and put it toward exercise Mm -hmm. or deep breathing, uh, deep breathing or meditation Mm -hmm. or toward reading Mm -hmm. where you'll get a hell of a lot more benefit from it than the never ending onslaught that we get on social. For sure. Now you ask a question that you say is interesting to you in the introduction of your book. You say, why do some women become the people they were designed to be and create the lives they really want to live and others don't? That's kind of what the theme of the show is about. It's showing what's possible. So with the tens of thousands of women that you've coached and just being out there, what? how do you answer this question? What do you see as the issue? I think the core reason that women aren't living the lives they really want is because of fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've mentored tens of thousands of women. Everyone says the same thing. They're, they're scared shitless. Mm. We're, we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of success. We're afraid to be judged. We're afraid we're not enough. <laughs> we're, mm. we're afraid that we're going to live these precious lives we've been given. And at the end of it, we won't have gotten to the things that were really important. Mm-hmm. And, and all these fears can paralyze us. Yeah. And they certainly annihilate our focus. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk and coach and, and work with myself and our children a lot mm. on how to deal with those fears. Uh, and, and I, I, I use a three-step process and it works pretty well. So the first step is to acknowledge when fear is popping up Hmm. and actually name it. You've got to confront that fear in order to move past it. When you name it, are you just acknowledging it or are you actually giving it a name like some ugly name so that to laugh about it. Do you know what I mean? Like do you give so, <laughs> so so you can you can actually do that if that works for you. Yeah. For me, I with the, I with the kiddos that might be fun to name it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. but for me, for example, if I found myself blocked in the writing process of, yeah. of this book. Yeah. And I, I felt, you know, we can feel fear rising mm-hmm. up in us, right? Yep. So I would, I would stop, I would take a breath and I would say, oh, okay, I'm afraid that this is going to suck or or people are going to judge me because they may not like it. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the first step is to recognize it and name it however you want to. And you can be funny about it. You could, whatever you want to do. The second step is to ask yourself, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen? Mm. Okay. Now. What is the worst thing that could happen? Now, get get real, real creative with this. Mm. Uh, and and so in that example about you know I was scared that that it was uh, gonna suck. Okay, let's let's really go with it. Get in with it. All right, it could be so bad what I write that. Um, my editor would cancel my book deal mm. and take back the advance and I would never be able to write anything again and mm. people will think I'm a fraud, right? Take mm. it to the nth degree. Yeah. Okay, so once you do that, you get it all out. Then say to yourself, okay, but wait a minute, what do I know to be true? What is fact? Mm. 
Now, the fact of sitting down and writing something is, all right, well, I'm going to get out this first draft and I know I'll have time to refine it, but my thoughts are going to have value Mm -hmm. and it will be a great starting point. And then the third step, which has helped me so much and become a mantra of mine, is when, when you go through this process, the final step is to declare that you're not going to let fear win. Hmm. And, and my mantra has become F fear. Now, Michelle, for yeah. you, the F might mean fight yes. or forget. Yes. For me, it means something saltier. Yeah, I had a feeling it did. <laughs> there was another part in the, that the F word showed up that made me laugh out loud in the book. But yes. <laughs> so now, now what's, what's important to understand, this is more than a clever hashtag mm. to use on, on social. I mean, adopt this and make it a battle cry that says you have the power. Mm. And I have loved that I've taught this to my kids and they don't use the saltier version. They, they will say F fear. Yeah. Like fight fear. And yeah. Fight fear. And, and, and before they go out on stage or before they take an exam or before they do whatever's scaring them, mm. we will say, okay, what are you going to do? And they'll say F fear. Mm. I think it's such an important message, and I'm so glad you went through the steps. Um, Yeah, there's so many dreams that people need to realize in this one precious life. We are, I'll be 49 in February. You said seven years ago when you were in the hotel room, so we're we're about the same same age. age. We're the same age, Gen X. And the truth is, we have a reality that half our life is over. So we're not going to waste that. I mean, part of the F fear is just an awareness of just the preciousness of time and our life. So this is it. Your book is timely and so deeply important. So um, Romy, before we wrap up, how do you define success? For me, success is living your truth, Mm -hmm. doing the things that matter to you and being present in your own life, whatever that looks like. Beautiful. What advice do you think your 80-year-old self would give you about how to live a good life? Well, I hope that when I am 80, I'm going to be saying, see, sister, I told you none of that little stuff meant a damn thing. Mm, Awesome. Uh, Can you please leave the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life? Listen to that voice inside. She will tell you what's right and where to go. Stop making up bullshit stories in your head because they're derailing you. So so stick to what you know to be true. Mm. And always lead with love. Mm. Love for yourself, for others, and and show yourself grace because each of us is magnificent. And we can do unbelievable things if we give ourselves the permission to do it. Thank you so much for such an insightful and beautiful interview. I loved what you've shared today. Romy, where can I direct people to learn more about you and your work and the book? Where can we direct people? Go to RomyNewstat.com. On there, you'll find out more about me and about my book. And I hope, I hope that you'll become part of the Have It All Sisterhood. Awesome. And I'll be linking everything in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time today. This has been really such a pleasure. And um, I wish you tremendous success with your book. 
Thank you so much. And keep putting out in the world what you're doing because it's so good and so important. And I'm just so grateful that that our paths have crossed. Me too. Thank you, Romy. I really hope that you walked away with some new information or inspiration that you can put into effect in your life. All of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com. And if you know of someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please do take a second to share it. Now, I do have one request. If you've gained any value from the show, from any of the episodes, would you be so kind to head to your favorite podcast player, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode, but then take a second to rate and review the show. It actually helps other women find it. And that is my intention for 2020. And it would mean the world to me. So thanks again for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.